Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Okay, says that we're live. Good evening, everybody, those who are tuning in. Uh, this is Jacob Daniel, and this is the Daniel 3 Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, got a little bit of a new webcam, a new setup, so if things look different. That's the explanation for that. Um, uh, plugs before I begin. Again, I want to plug my website and and the uh, my friends who produced that. The uh, name of the uh, company that my friend started is Sexton Inventive. And the website is daniel318.com. So give the website a look. I think it looks really nice. Um, you know, they're still ongoingly uh, adding things to it as they go. So it's not like a fully finished product, but it's launched. I think it looks really good. And so I'm excited about that. Um, and while since we just got the website up every episode, I've been kind of plugging it a little bit um, since it's new. There's a couple features in there that I really like. One, you can write comments in to have like questions or comments read live during the show when I go live, or you can even set a voice uh, question or comment that I can play live, which is pretty cool. Um, or if you want to come on the show, uh, I do call-in shows every couple weeks or so. So if you want to schedule that, the website's the way to go. So you can go on there, uh, fill out the, uh, the form with your name, your email, and then what you want to talk about, what questions you want answered, uh, submit it and uh we can get you scheduled in for the show so um tonight i have um a friend of mine who i'm extremely excited to get on this guy is uh a maniac on twitter um he's a really interesting dude he's all over the place i don't think he needs too much of an introduction i'm gonna bring him in right now he is mr nick ashley nick how you doing man a maniac am i <laughs> good evening How's it yeah going, man? <laughs> yeah you i mean you literally have the energy of like 20 wheel 20 hamsters on wheels i you mean think so yeah um but then like on twitter like your twitter persona and then like your real life like you know over podcast and stuff persona are very different because i remember when i first um actually the first time i listened to you you were on my friend uh james gentleman's uh podcast blackbird and i was like oh wow this guy's like you know not at all what I exactly expected him to be. <laughs> so I, I don't know about persona. Uh, I mean, it, it's just somebody in the comments, H. Reardon, who I also I'm I, I'm familiar with that name. He's all over the place. He's all over our, the place. Uh, Tower, yeah. Tower gang shows and stuff like that. But yeah, nearly everyone on Twitter is a maniac on Twitter. Yeah, it, just the kind of like the 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 environment. It's just you can't. I don't know if there's any other way to be. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, I, I got into Twitter late, so I feel like 
part of it was I had to adjust to the Twitter because like I've been on Facebook for so long. And I was just used to that culture. And Facebook is like, you know, we're, we're like gentlemen in our bow ties coming up and like having a scholarly, you know, like a scholar-like discussion and giving our essays and dissertations. And it's all formal. And Twitter is just like, haha, poop. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, Twitter is a completely different, like I knew, okay, 240 character limits uh, and, and stuff would make things different, but I was just completely foreign to it. Um, and so when I got in, I was not ready, but I adjusted and, and got used to the way things are. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so that was the first time that I, I discovered you. And that was a really great conversation. And, you know, and I want to keep this conversation fun. But I also feel like um, a lot of the time you're out there and you're I don't want to say performing, but like you're having fun. And, and, and you're not like when you're on the Tower Power Hour and all that. And you, you guys will have fun and then do a little bit of philosophy wanted to get a little bit more into the philosophy and the serious stuff tonight because I actually think you're a really smart dude and oh, um, really interested to, to, to um, hear more from you on like your philosophical leanings and, and stuff. Um, you've probably given it elsewhere, but for my listeners, my audience who might not know you as well, maybe start with just a little bit of a back background, you know, uh, where you're from, what you do and uh, how you became a libertarian. Okay, sure. Yeah. So where I'm from is the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. Uh, I have no business being the Twitter person that I am because I didn't even have a MySpace or anything like that growing up. I barely had an internet connection. Um, I was, my dad watched a lot of Fox News and I just kind of, you know, glommed onto Republicans good, Democrats bad from that. You know, this was pre-Trump era. Obviously I was a kid at the time. Um, and at a certain point, Obama was such a warmongerer that I started to become anti-war just because of that alone, because I hated mm. Obama, because everybody on Fox hated Obama. And there was there was really I had no political. I was basically a. I mean, I, I was only a kid. I was only 14 or 15 at the time. And I was I may as well have been a neocon. It's hard to say that I was a neocon because I didn't. Neocon is a specific zionist interventionist you know i didn't know anything about israel i didn't know anything about none of that i just thought that the wars were good because you know america f yeah you know um but it, so it's hard to say that i was a neocon i i have said that in the past but i think that neocons specifically are zionist and i could not say that i was ever a zionist because i didn't know anything about that but anyway i'm sorry but basically followed the establishment republican line foreign policy uh, and the the rhetoric about free markets, as they like to talk about, was attractive to me, too. Um, but eventually, between the Trump election or no, between like 2014, when I started college, I just stopped. I was not politically informed or in, involved or in, in any capacity, and I would have been, you know, 18 at the time. And then. Trump got elected. I thought that was funny. I thought it was funny because I knew the Clintons were bad. Like I didn't know much about them, but I knew Fox hated the Clintons. So I like that. That was my opinion of them. They were bad, uh, especially Hillary because of her time during Obama's presidency as a part of his administration. And then in 2018, like there was between 14 and 18, there was nothing. I didn't have any political development or anything like that. I was just kind of a apathetic, apolitical type of, type of person. And then in eight, 2018, I discovered Backwards, who is uh, Eric July's band, and their song Self Ownership. I love that song, and I still do. I love that whole album to this day. I hope they put out new and soon. <laughs> but right. 
I, from my Google and YouTube searching of backwards and Eric July, who was the lead singer of the band, I found his appearance on Tom Woods. So I discovered Tom Woods. I discovered Rothbard. And then, I mean, once you discover Tom Woods, if you're already going down that path, once you discover it's him, it's game over. over. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 that's all. It's over. So that's, yep. that's where I came from is, is from like a Republican, like neoconish person to apathetic and then discover Tom Woods. And you know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, um, came from the left. So I was like a Bernie Sanders supporter back in 20, 2015. And then I saw the corruption of the DNC and how they treated him. And I really did not want to vote for um, Hillary, but yeah. um, I, I kind of bought into the fear mongering of Trump because I just wasn't aw awake enough yet to like, I should have known better. And like looking back, it's easy to judge our, our previous selves and be like, God, how was I so stupid to not like, yeah. no, I was like, okay, the same people that lied to me and, stole the primary election from Bernie, I'm now supposed to trust their representation of Trump. And it's funny, I've come full circle because then like I had a brief pit stop kind of in that like loosely neocon establishment Republican setting, which I think a lot of people do. A lot of people have, that have left the left have had, I, I've realized they have a similar journey to me because like they'll leave the left and they'll go to the right for like, you know, a month, six months or whatever. And then they realize, okay, these bozos are just, you know, idiots of a different stripe. You know what I mean? Like they play the same games, but they just have slightly different rhetoric. And then they, they, they usually, you know, find someone like a Dave Smith or uh, a Tom Woods or whatnot. For me, it was like, I found, I found, uh, I was like listening to those intellectual dark, dark web people. So like Weinstein, Ruben Shapiro. Uh, but I also through them, like I watched Rogan. Then I found Dave Smith on Rogan. And then I found Tom Woods. And then, you know, once I was on Tom Woods and it was like, you know, like you said, once you're on that, it's it's pretty quickly, you know, inevitable. It's Even if it's not quick, it's inevitable. I think if you're listening to Tom Woods, that you'll go that full way. Um, so when you, uh, what are your religious views? You know, I mean, because this is partly a religious podcast. So I always ask my guests, you know, and I haven't heard you talk much about religion. So I have no idea what, what you could be a Hindu for all I know. So <laughs> but what, what are your uh, religious views? And then, you know, do they have any connection to liberty for you? And, you know, if not, whatever, if they do, maybe you could explain that. Uh, no, they, they don't really have much of a connection to my political beliefs. Um, I'm not. I, I was raised. I was Catholic my whole life, okay. uh, and then after after I was confirmed in the church, like confirmation, when I, I think I was sixteen or seventeen at the time, that's when it that's when it's done for then in that in that um, denomination of Catholicism is you you get confirmed in the church and you're like officially I don't know what the I, I don't know the terminology but basically you're like a full blown adult Catholic in their eyes. So right after confirmation, my mom. She said, get confirmed. We won't make you go to church anymore. I remember that, like making that deal with us. Because as a kid, you know, you don't like going to church. It's boring. You'd rather be playing with toys or playing video games or whatever that it is, um, playing baseball, whatever I was doing when I was younger. And um, after confirmation, I don't think I have I haven't I hadn't been back to church in since since then, like for other than for weddings or for funerals. So I'm not I'm not I don't identify with Catholicism. And there was a time I never was one of those like cringy neckbeard atheists or anything like that. But there was a time where I would have considered myself an atheist or at least an agnostic 
not really a believer and not really firm in my belief of unbelief or whatever, you know, like a lot of them are. Right. But lately, and I, I am glad you have me on. This is a great time for this because I, I am like, I am i haven't said this. I don't think I've ever talked about religion publicly in any in any context, but I am like, I feel myself like coming back to God. You know what I mean? Like it is a really, and there's a few things that are causing me to do that. Um, and I, I can't get into it because it's some personal stuff. I can't really get into too much of why, but I am coming back to like believing in God and, and realizing that spirituality is, is more important and, and things like that. Um, but it doesn't really, that I was already uh, a libertarian before this is starting to happen. This was only happening in the past couple of months. So I was already pretty well established in my political and, and uh, ideological beliefs before then. So it, the religion didn't really have much of an effect on that. Sure. Yeah. It, it didn't have much of an effect on how I got there, but then, you know, like I created this podcast and this project I do because then I was like, is there a connection? And so I've been exploring that and finding that I think, you know, there, there's a lot of Christianity and even, even, you know, Catholicism. Like I, I've, I talked to uh, our mutual friend, James, who's also got a Catholic background. And so we've, had discussions about that. But yeah, you know, faith and religion, it's like, those are really personal subjects. Like I remember when I had a uh, Reed Coverdale on, mm -hmm. I had some of my Christian followers saying, are you going to try to convert Reed back to Christianity? I was like, no. It was like, first of all, like, um, I don't really view that as my role as a Christian in the libertarian sphere. I was like, this is libertarianism. So like, I'll collaborate with my fellow Christians. And I think we should you know, go back to our home churches and our Christian community and, and preach the preach the message of liberty to them, you know, uh, with with kind of a Christian, you know, framing and whatnot. But I was like, when I'm engaged in the liberty movement, like I'm not going to distract from our mission by doing evangelism at the same time, um, you know, and, and plus I was like, matters of faith and whatnot are super personal. Like no one wants yeah. to you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's interesting to discuss discuss the philosophy of religion and uh, or, or those who are not religious and have that conversation. But for someone's private beliefs, um, it, it can be really hard to articulate that stuff. And a lot of it is super personal. So I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, you know, the if, if, I, if I were to venture a guess, I mean, does it does it have anything you don't have to get super specific? Does it have anything to do with just like the last year and like everything going on in our culture because i know a lot of what you know I, like i've struggled with my own doubts and stuff in my christian walk but a lot of what keeps me tied to the faith and and to god and the bible like even the even parts of the bible that i don't you know I, I do my best to wrestle with that stuff and come up with good explanations for things i never want to be one of those cringy christians that just like cherry pick stuff and it's like oh i like this this and this but all that other stuff well that's just a metaphor or that's that's just written by men. Like I try to take the whole, the whole thing, but it, there's some stuff out there that's, that's challenging, but um, I just feel like there's some, like I look at the culture and a lot of what's happening, especially on the left, the right has its own problems, but mm -hmm. what's happening on the left and the left dominates like our institutions, uh, not just like state institutions, but like the, the corporate institutions, education, the universities, um, social media, that's all kind of dominated by the left right now. And to me, a lot of those cultural problems to me are related to Christianity or, or faith and sort of like a lot of, you know, to me, it's like a lot of atheists and stuff. Again, like 
general i'm generalizing here there's mm-hmm. a lot of atheists who are libertarians but it seems like a lot of people rejected christianity and just embraced this cult of leftism plus statism you know all fused together yeah it's a very common thing that we'll hear uh, christian libertarians talk about or you don't even have to be a christian to recognize that a lot of people replace religion with statism uh, and I will say, because uh, I have not, I don't want to say I argued. I don't like the word argue when I'm talking to a friend about something like this because it's just a discussion. I did talk about this with a friend, and I, I do think that there are a lot of Christians who are statist because of their Christian, because of their religious sure. views. There sure. are a lot of those people too. Um, so I will say that. But the reality is, is you're you're exactly right. I think that when you look at the left broadly speaking, it's a lot of uh, like godless and not godless in the sense that they're just not people of faith like myself like i wouldn't really consider myself a person of faith or anything like that because i'm not dedicated to anything like that and i'm not well versed in the bible or scripture or anything but they're not they're like anti-theistic you know and they are they're godless in the sense that they want god to be dead they don't and i don't know like not to psychoanalyze or or try to dig into people's heads or anything like that but it's almost like that leftism and the the anti-hierarchical position that they take is they have to not have some powerful being or whatever you know or yeah. or somebody who's at the front of the congregation who is clearly the leader of the congregation like i don't know what it is but there's a specific leftist godless archetype that exists in this country that's really really bad and it's really off-putting to me yeah no I, I agree with that it's like they reject like i think a lot of people who are and again like i i don't want to keep making this preface so for the rest of the episode like i'm dealing in general generalizations here which obviously there's exceptions to i don't want to keep having to say that like ad nauseum because i i, I say it because i have good atheist friends in the liberty movement and i don't of want course. them to feel like i'm attacking them yeah, um, i think they'll give you a charitable yeah. interpretation of what you're saying though i mean right your yeah friends will um but I feel like a lot of people who are atheists reject Christianity, not even so much time sometimes like I mean, they make they'll they'll use philosophical arguments and I think they give those as their surface reasons. But my observations and intuitions have been a lot of them reject religion because they don't like the limits and controls that God and the Bible put on them. And mm-hmm. so they want to go out and live in a like hedonistic like do whatever I want. I don't want anything controlling me type of thing. And I now as a libertarian leaning person, like I kind of understand where they're coming from. And I think this is partly to blame on the church because the church for so long, I think has warped the teachings in the Bible to teach it from a place that's like um, the, the things that are sinful and things that are taught in the Bible, like you shouldn't do, they they push those on people in a like statist authoritarian like manner and so i understand kind of wanting to reject that and i think the problem is the church needs to be getting back to what jesus taught which was jesus taught personal responsibility which was more like you should be convicted yourself to 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 discipline yourself and have those internal regulations but they reject the the church and and god because of that but then they get out into into the world and they're like oh crap like with with no rules at all um like you know like it's crazy <laughs> and so they they feel this need to like you know push their moral frameworks by force still it's like so it, it it's weird when you 
deal, especially with like the really progressive woke leftists, I always tell them like, you really are not much different than the stereotypical fundamentalist Christian standing on the side of the road with the like sinners go to hell sign, you know, yelling at like, there's one of those uh, loonies in my neighborhood that like stands in the street corner with a megaphone, just, just yelling at people about how they're going to hell and repent now and all that. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're pretty much the same energy as that person, but instead of like take out Christianity and you're just doing it with your, you know, you're a racist, you're a transphobe and and this, that, and the other. So uh, there, there's a connection there in the culture that, that helps keep me uh, grounded in the faith. Um, yeah, there, there was a comment I wanted to, at the beginning, I wanted to highlight here. Uh, someone said, no Kings, but Nick Ashley in Christ. <laughs> it's just, well, maybe I'll approve that amendment because typically <laughs> Christian anarchism is no King, but Christ, but, yeah, but don't, don't put yeah. me up there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're like a, well, see, Jesus is the King of Kings. So you're just a sub King that, that, Fair. that, you know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're like, you're like King over a specific region and, and you, and you submit. So I don't think it's it's heretical. I think you'll be fine there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I didn't want to go too much into religion other than that, unless there's anything else. Like, again, I don't oh, want to have okay. you talk about your personal stuff and whatnot, but I mean... Well, I can tell in, you something. Like, I don't want to... I, I kind of cut you off there. I'm sorry. But I, I, I will say, just to volunteer something, because I know you don't know what to ask because I'm kind of being weird about it. But I will say, like, a, a, like a con connections that I've made with, with certain people throughout the past however long i've been on online however, however long i've been on twitter and in these circles the connections i've made with some of these people i'm like this can't be an accident like that th these mm. people are meant to be in my life and i was having a discussion with somebody who i've become really close with earlier today just just texting with them just saying like you know i i, I don't know what god's plan is like mm. i don't know what it is i don't know if he has a plan i don't know if god has whatever whatever it may be whatever's going on but I know you're meant to be a part of this. Like, I know you're meant to be a part of my life and my path. Like, there's no way it was it was an accident, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, so, that's also something I know. It's like, to me, there's always these weird, like, and they're hard to explain to other people. You're just be, you'll just be like, wow, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Or this really amazing thing wouldn't have happened if these, if, if, if the right people weren't at the right place in the right time. And when you see that happen over and over again, it can be hard to not feel like there's, something it doesn't it's like that's not really an argument for christianity i guess but it's an argument for something other than what we have here and like i can't make a concrete philosophical argument for like why someone should be a christian but i feel like i can make a decent case for why they shouldn't just be a materialist yeah. and it's like i have a lot of respect for people who are agnostic and who like just they don't know and they're gonna say like i don't know and i'm not convinced and i think okay that's that's a completely rational, respectable position to have. But for the people who are like the more atheist types who are like, well, it's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm more convinced that all there is is a material universe and anything else is just, you know, a, a scientific. And to me, it's just like, I don't know how that makes sense, especially like how you can reconcile that with just the human experience. You know what I mean? Um, both in terms of like, how we internally view ourselves and then also how uh we interact with our fellow human being and like i don't know it's like you're, i'm sure you're familiar with like hapa's uh, argumentation ethics 
Yep. And so like the first time that I was told Austrian, the Austrian view that all rights are property rights, I didn't like that. I've come to like get over it. I actually like it a lot. But the first time I heard it, I didn't like it because to me it was like you're trying to reduce morality down to just a materialist, rational argument. And it's like it's, it's not that morality is irrational, but it's just like to me, it's like if you if you view people as just kept like meat bags just like you know like you're literally just uh um skin filled with well actually no we're both we've both played uh knights of the old republic so i'll yeah. use uh hk47's term meat we're, we're meat, meat bags, bags right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's where i got that term from and usually i'm like i don't know if anyone's gonna get that but i know you do because i've seen that uh artwork in the background of one of your yep. episodes uh, oh, or right there right now. Right yeah. Here, I'm not look I'm I'm looking at the camera, not at your screen. But yeah, it's right there. That's uh uh Darth uh, uh Nihilus. Um yep. my favorite villain. Yeah, that that was a that was By a really, the way, uh, my wife painted that. That's awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. Um I saw somebody but, um, in the comments saying they had a poster. Yeah, I didn't a poster. That's a painting, homie. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a, that's a real I mean that looks like the cover art. Like it's so, really good. Yeah, she's, she's, she's kudos very, to her. Very talented. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's like if if that's all we are, then it's like I don't know how you can make an argument for why. Um, I mean, I guess you could say, well, it's not rational, it's not in your self interest if you want to live in a society that's da 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 da. But it's like, okay, but what about the person that goes, oh, I don't, I don't give a shit, I'm just gonna do what I want. It's like there's not really much of a materialist argument against that or for why something would be evil. Um, right. Like, like you know, we get really upset about, like, for example um uh pedophiles now i can make a rational argument for why pedophilia is not evolutionarily beneficial for why it's it's not uh preferable behavior but it's hard to get out of materialism the reaction that we i think rightfully have to it which is like you evil pieces of shit and then yeah. we make up songs about putting them in wood chippers um so it's like th that's a lot of where I'm coming from when it's like I feel like you need some type of religious or, or even like spiritual uh, structure to engage in the world. And because I think materialism falls short. Yeah. Yeah. A another good example of it is like um, cannibalism or hmm. or incest, like a brother and sister. Right. You know, incest. Uh, and and a the reason I like you make an excellent point that you can't just the reaction you have you have that reaction to those things for a reason like it, it, it's it's not materialism it's not like if you no. look and break everything down objectively and empirically you can't say well if somebody eats somebody's like of, of somebody else's thigh they're dead you know like that <laughs> like right <laughs> but you can't you can't explain why that's bad without some without some kind of ethic outside of a materialistic framework so and same thing for for incest like okay the the there's i don't want to get into it i don't know i don't want to be too crude but like no pregnancy there's no there's no chance of that happening because of x y and z factors if it's a hypothetical michael malas talks about this in his book because of jonathan height it's like yeah these things you have a visceral reaction to that you really can't explain why they're bad that doesn't mean it's irrational to think it's bad but it's like look you just can't explain it through a materialist framework. That's probably the best way that I could that I could word it. That you just you just gave me that idea. Like, yeah, you you can't say why some of these things are bad, just looking at how we view things in the world. You know. So yeah, you, you I, need I, an I, ethic I, outside of materialism. Right. Exactly. That's what I. That's what I 
that's a good summation of what of what I said. And I, I think it I think it makes sense. Um, yeah. So uh, this gets into a good little segue here. Um, and there's a comment I wanted to highlight. Let me find it again. Um, Wait, do we have the same headphones? Do you have an Audio Technica set? I don't know who made this. Um, no, this is one one audio. Okay, I was gonna say we have the same microphone, and it look your your <laughs> headphones look identical to mine. So I'm like, that would be pretty crazy if that's how that would be. Out. That sorry, would be crazy. <laughs> no, you're cool. Um, I had to trying to find this comment. Oh yeah, uh, David. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can pronounce your last name. Gleason. Gleason said, "Wokeism is a leftist Westboro Baptist church without a vehicle for redemption," um, which I think is kind of kind of accurate because um, you know even some of the worst Christians will at least give you some kind of like way to redeem yourselves i don't know for like you know like for those who don't know what i was referencing at the beginning of this episode uh last night nick ashley was on with the tower people on josh's show and they pulled this hilarious prank on uh hudak of of fakertarians and basically again this is like this might be this might be insider baseball for some of my christian audience that are just like they don't pay attention to the lp so they're like what but basically long story short Fakertarians and Hudak, they're a representative of like this kind of faction within the libertarian movement that's very woke and very, very kind of like left in their um in the way they view things. So they call people like Nick and me, other people Nazis and transphobes and and all that crap. And um I remember when I first entered the movement, I tried to deal with them rationally and civilly, because I was just like we're all libertarians. Why are you guys getting so butthurt over Dave Smith and Tom Woods and all that? So I was like, I should be able to make arguments with you, sit down and talk with you and get you to be like, you know, on the same side and stop shitting on, you know, all my friends and the people I look up to. And then, you know, six months went by. I saw what they did to Josh Smith and his family. I saw them going even harder after Dave Smith and Tom Woods. And then just, you know, nobody's immune i've even i've had people call me nazis i've, I've had people dox my home information oh. um make threats to give my my uh, home address to antifa so it's like you know now I, i'm not too worried because i feel like a lot of these you know soy boys are just all talk but you I never see, know right that's safe behind you too i think you're fine <laughs> yeah oh yeah you know i would be but this thing is empty because i lost all my guns in the same boating accident that i lost my covid passport in so really <laughs> really unfortunate boating accident to you know have all my guns and my covid passport uh on officer but <laughs> um but uh yeah what do you i mean and i'm trying to figure out how i want to frame this question um do you think i mean do you think if we ignore these people that they will just go away because i know that's kind of like we got her talking about last night and I've gone back and forth on whether complete isolation and ignoring of these people would make them shut up because at the same time, they still hold some power in certain parts of the LP and they can still, you know, blast stuff on social media. Um, even if we have them blocked, other people might see it. And I just wonder, you know, like, I definitely don't want to give them lots of attention. I even hate bringing them up in this podcast, to be honest, but yeah. um you know, it, but this guy's comment kind of gave me that segue to be like, it's like, because they don't have a, like, in our, basically in their eyes, we are irredeemable pieces of trash because we don't, like, have the same I ideology they have. Um, and I don't understand this. Like, 
I, I often try to say, you know, both sides are the same right and left in terms of like politics. But in terms of culture, even though I have some problems with conservatives on a broad scale, I can sit down with a conservative and we can have some very strong disagreement. But I know that like we can shake hands and walk away friends at the end of the day. It's becoming almost impossible to do that with a lot of woke liberals. And it's like, I, I hate that. Like, I don't want it to be that way. I come from the left. So it's like, I don't want to write the left off, yeah. but it's becoming more and more toxic. And it, even in for like some, like someone like Hudak says he's an ANCAP, but I'm just like, I don't know how you can be an ANCAP and have read Rothbard and all this and be as, you know, stupid as you are. <laughs> so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it is a delicate like balance because on the one hand, you don't want to give those people are like oxygen, but on the other hand, if they're saying some sh shit about you, it's hard to just ignore it. It's hard to just not say anything about it, which is yeah. why like I get why Josh and I've done it too. Like said publicly, say stuff, and I think the best move is like we said on the show last night was, I mean, look at what Sarwark. If you go to his his Twitter page, he's got mm -hmm. no engagement on anything. He's done. Right. Like, he, he's got no, and he may have some swing in the LP. Like, okay. But the, a lot of, I know a lot of people that are in there already think he's a joke and like he's, his poll is becoming less and less. I think that that can be done to these folks. And the, the reason that like, I don't know how, how do I word it? Like the reason that these guys in particular, the, the fake Tarians, that that troop in particular is susceptible to being um shut out of relevance just by ignoring them is specifically because all they do is go after other people. They don't contribute anything original and nobody else is good enough. Like you, you know what you just said, they everybody else is irredeemable. Like, what do you want me to be for you to think I'm okay? And they they couldn't give you a straight answer. And well, they, what they would say was, "Don't be right." Like you know, I know what their answers would be, right? Like, you know, but ultimately, nothing you do is going to be good enough for for them to think that you're a good person or whatever. You, like, yeah, like some people, they're like, "Be careful," but then once you've hit the point of like you or me or Josh or Dave, it's like you know, pretty much for most of them, it's like nothing that they do. Because like, I mean, the only thing you could do would basically be to like literally roll over like <laughs> like i'm trying not to cuss because i don't like to cuss too much on my show mm -hmm. but um like i don't i don't i don't care my my guests uh curse like you can curse all you want i usually try to refrain but when I'm talking about these people it's really hard um <laughs> uh, but like they're they're bitches like i don't know how else to describe it like they're just these weak whiny um assholes and look and it's like they, it's like you basically have to roll over and become one of them like you have to make yeah. yourself super pathetic super weak and like you know renounce everything about yourself renounce everybody you've ever associated with and talked to and completely and i was like you know what no um i only submit myself and humble myself to god like that's it no no man not not even like dave smith or tom woods would i do that for um yeah. you know god, god and jesus are about the only ones that that i do that for and even that sometimes in my pride even though i'm really devout in my faith you know i struggle with pride in terms of like submitting to an ultimate power but like you know that's god you guys are you know like libertarians that you know call everybody and i just don't get it i was like 
you know, listen to Nick Ashley talk for 30 minutes. Listen to Jose talk for 30 minutes. Listen to talk, listen to Dave Smith, Tom Woods. Like, how can you think any of these people are Nazis? Like what? Like, I don't know how unbalanced your estrogen, estrogen <laughs> to testosterone level has to be for for the, that worldview to make sense. I, I don't like I, I, I just don't get like the, here's my thing. <clears throat> Is that I, when I don't like something or someone, what do I do? I don't partake in it. Yeah. And I, if it's somebody, so if it's a person, I ignore it. Like if it, like, there's nothing, there's nothing you could do. Somebody's gonna be the way that they are. There's no reason to be so passionately angry about somebody that you dislike that badly. And I think, like, what is going on with them? And those kinds of people is they just can't accept that people like me and people like my my friends who they, for whatever reason or another, have a they just think that we have abhorrent beliefs. They just can't believe that we're becoming popular in these circles. Right. It's like, but it's like it's not even like because like if you if you push them on that, like what it'd be, I what beliefs does does Nick Ashley have that you find abhorrent? And it's not your beliefs. It's that. Oh well, you know. Look at the things he said on Twitter, and oh, the one I hear. There's this one guy who, um, I'm not. I don't want to use names, yeah, although okay. I could. But um, the, one of the fakertarians dudes is always coming to me and being like, "Yeah, well, Nick Ashley put the head of a rabbi on a picture that, I know, of a penis." I know who did that. Yeah, I know. Who yeah, did that. yeah. So, and it's just like, okay, like I'm pretty religious. I have Jewish family and stuff. I thought that was hilarious. I, like, I, mean, I don't know guy, what to look, tell you. Even if you thing. don't find it's funny, it's just like, it's like, you know what? When you find something not funny, you just keep scrolling. The guy that I did that to was being an unreasonable asshole. Right. Like he was not that he deserved that. Like, I don't, I, that was my way of poking fun at the guy and giving him, giving him crap. I, I know who you're talking about. That's always, that's like, that's why he thinks I'm a terrible person. Like that's what he cites. I know what you're talking about. Yep. And that, that guy that you're talking about was a Jewish gentleman. And the, <laughs> the thing I made was not, was very crude. It was very inappropriate, but in my opinion, the dude deserved it. Cause he was being a jackass. Like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to, it, it, would it have been better if I didn't do that and just said some stuff about him that, that this guy you're talking about wouldn't have liked anyway? Like, what What do you want me to do at that point? Ignore the guy who's talking trash on me and my ilk? Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and I mean, and like, 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 like the only pushback I would give to be like, I don't think we should respond that way to people who are just like your normal everyday statists, maybe. Or if you do, I don't care, but like, I wouldn't. But when someone's calling themselves a libertarian, and they're acting, uh, you know, like idiots. I think that's fair game because to me, if they decide dumb jokes and memes on Twitter are where they draw the line, well, then it's kind of like, I'm glad that you have outed yourself as somebody to not work with and take seriously. Because if your priorities are so skewed that you're going to focus on this stuff, then it's just like, I don't know how we can like even be both like how I can call you and me the same thing, call us both libertarians and that like, cause to me, if you see the state as the evil that it is, if you see the wars, like the genocide in Yemen, like yes. I, I, I fucking hate, like, and, and I'm, I'm stealing Dave point, Dave Smith's talking point here, but like, I really hate people that go around um, so triggered about uh, 
the the Holocaust that happened in World War II, which is like, okay, fair enough. That was that was awful. It's good to be upset about that. But when you're so upset about that and and triggered when people even make slight jokes or anything pertaining to the subject, that that becomes your priority and not the actual ongoing holocausts happening right now in places like Yemen in like the Middle East for the past 20 years. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't know how we exist in the same plane. Yeah. And here's another thing too. Like, yeah, to, to, to add on to that point for one, like, yeah, please. Like, I wish you had that anger and that passion toward what's actually that bad. Like, please have that anger when you talk about Yemen, but they don't. They no. don't. They don't worry about Yemen. They worry about me or, or you or Dave or whoever. Uh, and and, and I, I was going to say something else is just I understand. Like I am I have no delusions or or false pretenses that I am. My sense of humor is for everybody or that the way that I, I know I rub people the wrong way. That's OK. Like I'm OK with that. I'm OK with people not liking me. And I understand why people don't like me. And it, the only thing I have a problem with is people lying about me. Right. Which some of these people have done. But like other than that, like if you don't like me, if you don't enjoy my content, if you don't enjoy the stuff that I do on Twitter, like that's totally fine. I get it. We, not everybody is for everybody. And that's fine. I'm OK with that. Uh, and, and it's like they have ultimately is what it is, is they're progressives. Is, and what is a progressive but somebody that thinks everybody or everything should be for everybody. Right. Like that's part of their mantra. Right. Their yeah. See, this is what I was saying in a chat with um, some of the some of the people I've been going because like there's there's different factions in the LP and there's this one group I'm a part of that's kind of filled with there's a couple of Mises caucus people, me being one of them. Then there's some like middle ground people and there's a few of these people who are more in the 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 loser brigade kind of circles. And I was basically saying what you said, but in a different way, because I was like, I believe in universalism when it comes to morality, ethics, rights, etc., I don't believe in universalism when it comes to culture. Like we are not all going to have the same culture, the same preferences with who we associate, our humor, our tastes, who, you know what I mean? No, we right. should get along peacefully in a free market society and, you know, just freely associate and disassociate. But it's like, you know, I don't really need to have the same sense of humor with somebody to trade with them or to be like, okay, we're in the same work environment. So I'm going to work like, you know, I've had to my entire adult life work with a wide variety of people and different personalities, some of which I got along with great, some of which would annoy the living crap out of me because mm -hmm. they, they'd make, you know, the same stupid dumb joke every morning. Some people in work environments, they have like their like stupid tropes to say the same thing every morning. And like, you know, the, the 12th time Jerry says, hey, man, how's it hanging or working hard or hardly working? You want to yeah. strangle somebody. But like, it's like, you know, whatever, like. You don't have to like somebody to just like your two choices, ignore them or like find a different way to engage with them on the things that you do have in common. But um, yeah, like humor to me is always like always been something that um, I don't like. And I, I, no, I can I used to be different. I used to be a lot more sensitive with humor. Um, but then like I uh, graduated high school and I got into the <laughs> real world, basically. And I've never really been super offended by, I mean, like, there's some lines that I personally draw. Like, I don't do a lot of jokes about suicide, and that's just for me personally because I've had, I like, now I've heard the counter argument. Some people say, "Well, I've had friends and family who have committed suicide," and to me, I use humor as a coping mechanism. And it's like, okay, good for you, bro. Like, I don't care. It it doesn't work for me, you know. Yeah. And, and I use humor to cope with a lot of things, 
joking about suicide isn't something that I can personally do. But if you make a joke around me that's about suicide, I'll probably just nod my head, look at my phone, like, you know, just wait for the moment to pass. I'm not going to make a big deal about things that offend me because it's just what does it accomplish? Yeah. Like, really, like, what is it? What what is it? What does it do? And I don't think that people understand how to engage culture, because even if there was an element to something you or someone else were doing that I didn't like, well, calling you a Nazi or a racist or a transphobe or whatever isn't going to be an effective intro into me changing your mind about something, even (laughs) if I did think it was a problem. Yeah, it's like, hey, hey, you you prick, listen to me. You're the, you're like if you're going to be a jerk to somebody, don't expect them to listen to you. Um and and the uh, I will say too just to give some credence to the other side here is that some people who take this anti like whatever you call it, anti SJW, whatever that it may be, anti cancel culture, anti woke. Some people would take what you just said and say, "Hey, some jokes aren't for everybody," and they'll be like, "Oh, snowflake! Like you don't like suicide jokes?" Like, and look, that's I will say right now, not everything is for everyone. It's just what it is. Right. Some people don't like certain jokes. Some people don't like certain people's sense of humor, and that's okay. It's okay to have different tastes. It's okay to be different people. That's what we are. We're human beings. Right, exactly. Like some people, for some godforsaken reason, don't like lobster or don't like shrimp. And I love those things. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell? What the hell is wrong with you? Like I, I took a friend of mine once down to like so my family comes from Maryland. I took him down to oh, Maryland, yeah. gave him an authentic Baltimore crab cake. He took one bite, like, I don't like it. And like I was offended by that. Let me be honest. I was actually a, kind of a triggered leftist out. Like, are you you're like, are you kidding me? Like, this is an authentic Baltimore crab cake. You're telling me you don't like it. He's like, I, I don't know, man. I just don't. And it's just like, whatever. But it's just like, to me, that's what how humor is. It's how tastes like yes. some people. Um, I don't know if you saw I um, <laughs> uh, like a week or two ago, like one of my goofy tweets. I said something. I knew it was going to get a lot of shit. I said, friends better than Seinfeld. And that that's probably my most ratio tweet ever. I saw that, but I don't have an opinion because I don't really care for either of the shows, and I'm not really a TV really person. neither yeah, of them I, are my favorite. But I just I don't know. I think with Seinfeld, a little, little tangent here, I can't get past the music. To me, the music is so of not like the same two little music segues. It's too much of a device in the yeah, show. It's just like okay, like can you come up with some different? Like it's not even my style of music, and then literally every two minutes when the scene changes i'm hearing it i just have no interest in like yeah there's scenes and stuff i've watched from the show that are funny but i just don't like the show whereas friends not a perfect show but i just i don't know personally enjoy it better that was a really heavily ratio tweet of mine like i like adam nutter came on was just like i don't know if we can be friends anymore obviously (laughs) yes and stuff yeah yeah, of course and it's like but this is what i mean like everyone has different tastes and stuff some and then sometimes it's weird because it's like oh hey we all because like we'll be friends with people we're in the same circles and we'll be confused why do we like all these things the same but then over here we different and it's just like well that's part of individualism right Yep, it's just that's, and to me that's actually a beautiful thing. And this, you know, <laughs> that's the name of your podcast. So that's kind of what I'm getting going to segue into here. Um, uh, you know, t- to me, um, libertarianism inherently comes down to like yeah, pro- pro- private property rights and stuff like that. Sh- true, but I think it is ultimately about the the philosophy of individualism. And I think it's it. There, there's a weird Venn diagram there in my head. I don't know qu- quite how to conceptualize it because I think you can be an individualist without necessarily 
being a full-fledged expressed libertarian. But I think if you're a libertarian, you kind of have to be a, an individualist if you're consistent. Does that make sense? I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I talked about that. Whenever I was on James's show, I kind of was like, yeah, you don't have to be. But at the end of the day, like if we're talking about self-ownership, because to me, what libertarianism is all about, if you break it down to a couple of simple points, is the the I know it's not perfect, so don't like. And I've I've expressed con not contempt, but I've expressed like, um, just that it's imperfect. The non-aggression principle, which, like I said, just don't give me crap. You know, post-libertarians, it's okay. I I get it. Um, non-aggression principle, self ownership, and property rights. And truthfully speaking, property rights can be derived from non-aggression and self ownership. So it, like anything that anything that is what libertarian is libertarianism is at least in my you know in my understanding can be extrapolated from non-aggression principle and self-ownership because you can get property rights from self-ownership um but if you had to break it down that's how i would break it down and i think self-ownership is inherently an individualist concept and and to a certain extent non-aggression is too uh, but not not quite as much because self-ownership is obviously concerned with the self. So that is an individualist right. concept inherently. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and and it, people think like when I think a lot of people get the definition wrong, like what individualism is, it's not that you can't because people will say, oh, you're an individualist. Well, don't ever go buy groceries at the store because multiple people work to right. do that it's like no it, it's like the fact of the matter is it's not isolationism yeah no collective of human beings no group of people can exist without each individual the building block of any society of any group of people whether it's it's a country whether it's a family whether it's a, a people that make up a, a certain section of the economy like if we just going to talk about grocery shopping that's all comprised of individual human beings who have their own reasons for doing everything that they're doing. It's the whole concept of human action. Like it, that's, that's what it is. It's praxeology is part of that too. Right. That's, that's kind of where Mises got it from. Like each individual has their own reasons for doing whatever it is that they're doing, regardless of what goal they're trying to achieve. If it's the same goal as all these other people, they may have a different reason for wanting to achieve that goal. So if everybody's, if everybody's working toward a similar goal, there's that that group of people, despite how collectivist it may seem on the surface, it's still comprised of individuals who have their own reasons for doing that, for contributing their work to that group, to that collective, quote unquote, collective goal. Um, so I, I really do think that and, and libertarianism. I think is inherently individualist because of the fact that we're talking about self-ownership, like I just said earlier, I kind of repeated myself there. But if you. Being that you can derive every libertarian principle from the concepts of self-ownership and, and the non-aggression principle, like there, there's nowhere to go other than to say, well, that's an individualist philosophy. And another important component of it is to take people – I don't want to use the word individual again, but like to take each <laughs> single person on their own. Like don't right. – any. Any involuntary association with the group they have, like their race, their hair color, their eye color, any of that, or their family, where they come from, their country. Obviously, culture is important, but that's something that you grow up and you kind of learn. It's not inherent in, pe in people that they are, you know, if they're born somewhere, it, if you take a person who is 
would have been born in Sweden and put him in South Louisiana where I'm at, he would grow up and may as well be a Cajun, right? Like, and if you yeah. took me and I, if, if I grew up in Sweden, I may as well be Swedish, right? So it, it's, you take people for who they are as a person on an individual basis. Don't, don't look at them and, and apply traits to them that are because of involuntary associations with groups, whether it's their race, their hair, like I said earlier, those other things. That's that's another component of individualism. It doesn't mean you can't work with people. It doesn't mean you're anti-society. It doesn't mean you're selfish, like people like that that bash Ayn Rand and all that stuff because she said the wrong words. She, she screwed up when she said that value of selfishness or the virtue of selfishness. She did screw up. Um, but it's that's all it is. It's 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 just the any group is still comprised of individuals who have their own goals. And that's just what it is, because we're all we all have a brain that there's no hive mind. There's no collective thought process. It's all each yeah. different people that are doing a thing. Yeah, I feel like, you know, a little segue, you brought Ayn Rand and I don't hate Ayn Rand. I just feel like Mises got it better. Like I feel like Mises and Human Action, yes, or you can read, or if you read, or if you read Bob Murphy and Choice, which is like a much easier read. Um, yeah. But I feel like you know the, the Mises Human Action principle gets what Ayn Rand is saying, but says it way better and without like the confusingness of like you know of terms. So, uh, but but it, but she's still brilliant. Like I still I still think it's worth like listening to her ideas and stuff. And um, she was kind of anti-religion, but I don't know. I've always appreciated her her perspective on things. I remember like when I first got into libertarian uh, philosophy and someone brought her up. I went and watched a lot of her old interviews and stuff on, on TV and whatnot. And she was pretty based for, for her time and whatnot. And oh, yeah. it's weird that there, there's this, I know sometimes now modern day objectivists sometimes are weird. Like you're on Brooks and stuff and like, I don't hate him, but like, it's weird how sometimes he'll like make this weird flip flop from sounding really libertarian to then sounding really statist. So I don't think he represents um, Rand very well in that regard. Well, that's objectivism, man. That's just what it is. Like, yeah, I, I, I've spoken to some objectivists, and it's just a that's just how it is, man. Like it, they, they're going to sound sometimes they sound like a damn communist for, from my perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're a little all over the place, but um, but still, you know, I, I I view them as they're like cousins, sort of. You know what I mean? It's like we're not quite the same libertarians and objectivists, but we're you know like we're friendly like first or second cousin something like that yeah um close. yeah um i trying to remember my one of that tangent and i forget what i was going to respond to what you said um the uh yeah so human human action better summarizes that um i, I remember uh you know it's like to me when you when you start off with that foundation of individualism it makes a more coherent worldview for explaining what happens in groups and like so the analogy i wanted to make um you're a, you're a uh, car mechanic correct yes, sir. so so i am too one of the last podcasts of the tower power hour you brought that up um i forget we were compl you're complaining about oh um we'll have to get into this a little bit uh, towards the end the whole because like you're a hundred percent spot on and i want to get back into it the why uh it makes sense to buy a brand new car oh yeah, yeah 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 because you were like you were saying that and i was like i say this all the fucking time and people are like no it doesn't make this crap oh, <laughs> yeah i was like no like you're a, you're a hundred percent correct on that we will Ooh. get into that um <laughs> but it's like to me it's like so i work on transmissions for a living i actually rebuild transmissions um, oh, that's in, in my shop magic. yeah yeah, yeah i know <laughs> get that away from me <laughs> um so when when you're like diagnosing a car if you get to like oh the transmission's the problem 
if you don't know anything about transmission, you'll just go, it's the whole transmission. Whereas like, because I understand how they work, mm -hmm. I'll go, well, no, the whole transmission isn't bad. There's an individual part within the transmission causing this symptom. Now, that one action can affect the other parts and stuff in the transmission. And same thing with cars, right? Like the whole steering system can be inoperable, but it could be because it could by, be the pinion gear. That's right. It. <laughs> a stripped pinion gear or, or a tie rod that, that, that blew out or something. So mm -hmm. it's just like when we're talking about like a whole entity or group not doing something, it's like, okay, but it's not really that thing. Like that thing is just a shorthand label for a bunch of individual things doing. And if you want to be as specific uh, as possible, which is important if you're trying to fix the problem, right. you need to get down to the smallest individual actor. And to me, when you're talking, going off of cards now, when we're talking about like life and society, because of understanding human action and praxeology, that's why we get down to the individual because the individual is the smallest moving actor within the cog of human society. Yes. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, like your car is not going to move with just one, like, I can't, like, a torque converter is part of what makes the transmission work. But if I just bolted a torque converter up to the flywheel of the engine and put nothing else in, yeah. <laughs> the car's not going to move. So, yes, every part needs the other part. And society obviously can't exist without other people. Like, you know, um, what the common Austrian um, explanation for like division of labor is like a pencil. And then, yeah, like one person can't make a pencil. You need a lot of different people and specialization within the market to to create the market atmosphere where a pencil can be made right. so yeah you do need a lot of people but then when we're evaluating problems or uh morality or rights the smallest individual uh sorry i'm i don't want to be circular here the smallest mm -hmm. moving part is the individual actions of individual people and right. so that's why you know to, to kind of rephrase in my own words what your argument was that's to me why libertarianism inherently has to be individualist now like again you want to, as individuals, um, give up, like kind of like in a contract form, give up your right to own land and live in a commune somewhere. Like, go the fuck ahead. I really don't care what you do. I think it's stupid. And I think probably six months from then you'll realize it's stupid or something. But uh, I could be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you'll make it work, but you'll probably find that eh, there's some things that we need to trade with those filthy capitalists to get. You know what I mean? It's like, eh, we got everything covered, but, uh, Man, we don't um, we don't know how to get the internet working, so we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to collectivize our resources and purchase internet from uh, from uh, Amazon or something. I don't know, but well, um, I will say this too: like I, I think that libertarianism is also an anti-egalitarian, not anti-egalitarian, but not egalitarian. Like like we understand yeah. that people are different. So right. if you're good at something and somebody else is good at a different thing, then you may want to trade with that person. Like if they produce a good you want, you produce a good they want, y'all are going to trade. That's a hierarchy. That's a difference between you two people. Like that, that you have something they want and they have something you want. That's an inequality. That is not egalitarian. And that's what creates trade. So if you couple individualism with anti-egalitarianism, that's like, that's it. That's libertarianism right there. Right. So, and whenever you have people that try to, force an egalitarian view into this thing well then if, if everybody is the same person then everybody's going to be the same 
has the same aptitude at every skill. And then like, what, how do you decide who's going to be working on the cars? Who's, and I know this is like a really rudimentary economic argument, but it's just a, it's a reality. It's what it is. Um, anti or no inequality is what allows you to work on cars. And that's what allows for the division of labor, which is what allows right. the economies economies across the world to grow. That's all it is. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, Rothbard said it best, egalitarianism is a revolt against nature. Yes. And it's just, you know, and, and that sometimes rubs people the wrong way, especially the more progressive types, I guess. Um, you know, to me, it's just, if you just like the common example that, that I, I think just makes intuitive sense is like, listen, anybody can be a basketball player. Right. But like, (laughs) <laughs> there's there's a reason why uh like me at just six foot a white jew from pennsylvania is like just not very likely to make it in professional basketball well, you know what i mean it's like Kareem abdul-jabbar has the most points of all time like right this this i can't compete with that guy it's just not happening <laughs> right but the but the 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 cool thing about free markets is that um, and this is like an argument that Jordan Peterson made once on Rogan explaining the utility of markets is that like, OK, so you have like Peterson kind of makes Austrian arguments in his own words using mm-hmm. hierarchies. Um, so Peterson's like, so you have uh, e- unequalness in the distribution of a hierarchy and that's a problem. Well, the solution to that that the free market provides is to create a bunch of different hierarchies and odds are the more hierarchies that exist you will find one that you can be competitive in. So it's like, don't be so butthurt that like you can't compete in these hierarchies that you're just not well suited for. Just find the one that you are suited for and that you can be competitive and successful in as far as like providing for your needs and 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 whatever luxuries and stuff that you can 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 afford and get. But also like even with that though, you're going to get to a point where yeah, like there are even in a now I think I think in a free market the distribution will be a little bit flatter if you view out far enough. Like I think a lot of the excessive excessive wealth that some people enjoy in our current market today is kind of because of of um, the uh, the games that those at the top can play well, because, because of, of the, the Fed, state. yeah, because yeah. of the state, because of the Fed, because of the the craziness of the stock market and and Keynesian economics and the bubbles that get created, they can accumulate massive amounts of like dollar money, but you know, comes with a great cost. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so, and so that, and then the bubbles pop and all that, and eventually the dollar is just going to be completely worthless. So that doesn't, that wouldn't happen in a free market. There's still going to be unequal distributions of wealth, but I don't know if it's to me. I just can't conceive that it would be as drastic as it is now. And I think that it would be a lot easier to be entrepreneurial in a free market because, like, one of the things that people don't realize that's a major uh, problem in our current market structure is the lack of savings. Like, we're such a credit economy, and um, so like interest rates have been so low for so long, people don't save. Because it's just there's no incentive for them to do so. Yep. The incentive is for them to borrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be in a true free market where interest rates are set by the private lenders in the market. They would not be zero <laughs> or as close to zero as they've been for so long. And yeah. 
people would actually be incentivized to save money when banks have more money stored up and they're not borrowing it they will be more uh you know willing to lend out that money to people to start new ventures and stuff because it's just like that's how new things get created and that's that's why you know um i think some of um and even you get this sometimes in in my christian circles the ones that um lean a little bit left because they take certain passages like uh when jesus jesus's apostles and acts they said they shared all things in common and it's just like um <laughs> that's a whole different that's a whole different can of worms but um but yeah they, they they're like what value like i think some of the left libertarian people or even just leftists in general they they don't see it as fair or beneficial to society for anybody to have a massive amount of money but i don't think that that's accurate i think it's actually beneficial for some people to have that massive amount of money because they're the ones that can afford to take the risks to either be innovative themselves or to lend that money out to let other people be innovative and 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 you know that's that's an important niche that the market needs well uh, something that i always talk about and whenever i'm when we you have people that are democratic socialists or whatever and i'm like okay what's more truthfully What's more democratic than an actual free market? Right. And, and the you have it, it's not like so if you if 51% of people vote for a candidate, they're gonna win. That's it. Well, if 51% of people buy a product, if 51% of people buy Miller Light, well, that doesn't mean that you can't, you, a Bud Light drinker, can't go and buy Bud Light. Like that, they, you know, or pick a product. Like just because the majority of people purchase a product doesn't mean that that product that is second best is gone or third best fourth best pick you know at ad, ad, inf, ad infinitum um so the market is more of a democratic institution and i mean democratic in the good like democracy is bad we know that but right. like if you're if basically this is kind of an attack of the of the left from the left kind of deal yeah, you know what i yeah. mean um where it's people have more choices in on a market than they could ever have in a Democrat. If you vote for a thing and the majority of people want it, of course, 50% of the people plus one person, that's it. The the, the, the remaining 49% of the population or 50% minus one people, they've lost their options. They've lost what they wanted. So that doesn't happen if there's a market because you still have just because the majority of people use Amazon doesn't mean that you can't also go and use eBay. Just because the majority of people shop at Walmart doesn't mean you can't go and shop at Trader Joe's. So whenever you, any, even in our distorted and polluted and tangled in statism market that we have today, people still have way more choices than you would if it was an actual democratic, you know, in the in the colloquial sense, democratically decided upon market. Right. Yeah. You know, the problem with democracy isn't the idea of giving people choices. It's in the, the no one, you know, ruling over people in the sense of like being able to have the right to initiate force against them and and control things that are not yours to control about their life isn't good, whether it's one person making those decisions or everybody making those decisions, which isn't even what we have right now. It's everybody voting to to pick the people who will then make those decisions <laughs> yeah it's 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 stupid um and it's um you know maybe we can get that a little bit because you know i feel like uh christians it's always funny to me when christians talk about like 
they they conflate the bible and like biblical christian values with democracy and i'm just like i don't really see democracy in the bible to be frank i mean you know and if you know now my no the post libertarians and 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 the uh uh dominionists they see monarchy in it and it's like okay fair enough there's there's some monarchy in there although um i i'll take monarchy over democracy but that's not me saying i love monarchy um there's even i don't know if you know the there's a passage in first samuel 8 where god literally warned israel about like what's going to happen because like they, that's when they asked for a king like in the book of judges they were basically living in this sort of like theocratic anarchist society and then there was this big civil war and they were just like we need a king to fix this shit and god was like that's not gonna work you're yeah. like but god basically said long story short was like he's gonna take your shit he's gonna make you fight in his wars for his profit and you're gonna be his slaves right and 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 they were like not nah, give us a king anyway and god's like all right here you go like good luck and obviously they didn't, they didn't fare off well um, but that said, you know, I'll take, I'll take one ruler over many rulers and there's something, there's something less corruptible about, I think, I think that there's more incentives for a king to rule justly than there is for dem- a democratic system to rule justly. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that the, a lot of people misunderstand the concept of monarchism being uh, and, and a desirable alternative to democracy on both sides of the issue. Um, because what you'll hear from people who are like pro or anti-democracy, which I, I am anti-democratic. I don't yeah. believe in, I, I don't like democracy, but what you'll hear from people that are anti-democratic, they will say like, well, you know, a benevolent monarch is going to be better. Th- well, yeah, of course, a benevolent anything a benevolent it's it's sort of like a circular argument like a good yeah. ruler would be good it's like well right yes yeah, exactly you're, you're you're kind of a fart in the wind to say that yeah <laughs> and and but what it ultimately the and and then people who are anti um monarchic will or pro-democratic will ignore the fact that just because look just because multiple people or a majority of people think something is moral doesn't mean it's moral or good and if something is bad you know, wanting to kill someone or pick a pick a thing, whatever. Wanting going to right. war, like just because a majority smart. of people, yeah, just because, because it, a majority yeah. of people want to vote for something and want that to want that political action to take place, that doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it moral. It doesn't make it productive. Whatever. Um, so where it is is that if you have a monarchy, you know who to go after. If you have a democracy, people have this false delusion this false idea that they are the government they are part of it because that well they voted for it it was their say and therefore therefore like well this was our choice so we can't punish ourselves for what we wanted to do our you know what i mean um so i think people on both sides of this argument get it wrong and right. have misconceptions about the argument of monarchism versus democracy right and that's that's kind of what i meant like the incentives like because the, the the democratic rulers like it's so easy to assign blame to the whole system or like the Republicans right. can blame the Democrats. Right, right, right. Democrats can re- can blame the Republicans. If you have one king at the top, it's like there's not a whole lot of other people to blame. Like you can blame it on other countries or God or circumstances. But for the most part, it's like if you're doing a really awful job, people will be like, yeah, it's the king. He's he's awful. He needs to go. 
Um, so there's, I think there's more incentives for a king to, to at least be as the least amount of shitty as possible, <laughs> even if they're not great. Um, but there are examples in history where kings were actually benevolent. They were usually more small, feudal, like, you know, situations, not, not like huge empires and whatnot, um, like you saw in Europe, but they, those examples exist. And I think it's important to push back on that because democracy is like this weird mind virus. It's like this, like, oh, it's like no one would accept uh, monarchy anymore in a weird way, which is kind of a good thing, but they think that somehow democracy means that they're consenting to the tyranny that they're being subjugated to. And that's the real dangerous part of it is like, well, no, you're really not consenting. And even if like, even if I was going to like consent, like give them that, like, okay, well you're consenting half the country isn't really more than half the country isn't consenting at any given time. So it's, it's just for, for, so, you know, I think that's why that, critique is important to make yeah under a monarchy there's no pretense that people are consent there's no consent of the governed like that that's not a that's not a thing um and you know who to go after like if you're talking about a country like this who do you go after for certain decisions who do you go after for the tax policy who do you go after for the monetary policy it's very difficult to pinpoint who is responsible for each individual thing that's ruining the country that's ruining things about you know people's lives lives in this country so yeah that's what it is if you've got a monarchy and one guy is in charge that's part of the reason it's preferable is because you know who to look to you know who to say okay this is the person who is at fault for this particular thing that i don't like and it puts and and democracy puts people in charge of things that they often aren't qualified to do which is why the market's preferable because the market incentivizes putting the right person into the right position to use you know scarce resources correctly and Mm -hmm. so that that's why from a from a broad view you know central planning doesn't work the market's the only the only option that we we really have um all right, I'm going to make a not so subtle segue back to the car conversation because I think oh, this sure. is really important. <laughs> um, a lot of people, and I, I get really annoyed about this as a as a mechanic. Um, people <laughs> will be like, uh, "I'm not going to put fifteen hundred dollars into my 2015 Hyundai Sonata. I'm just going to go trade it in and go buy a brand go buy a brand new car." And I'm just like, "Okay, that I don't know if that makes sense, but." At the same time, if now if somebody says I'm going to buy a brand new car or close to brand new, and I'm going to keep it and maintain it and keep fixing it the whole way through its lifespan, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people make this problem where they they value the car based solely on its resale value, right? And I think that is the main error people make. It's like, well, no, and this is where it's like I think a good Austrian understanding of economics really breaks this down because it's like people, it's like, listen, value isn't just what you can sell it for. Yes, it can have yes, like value in terms of like their utility to you, and like it might have way more value to you than it like so like the resale value you get on Kelly Blue Book is like an average of what like you know like if you asked a hundred or a thousand people what they'd pay for it like this is what like the average comes out to but it turns out like everyone guess what value subjective that's so right. <laughs> some people like you know yeah your granny who just drives to the grocery store once a week in church on Sunday might not need a 
F two fifty Super Duty six. You know what's the current diesel size? Is it six seven? I don't even. I, think uh, I don't even know seven. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 6. <laughs> 6. 7 I would my seven three, but that's the older ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, six seven. Like, yeah, she probably doesn't need that. So if you tried to sell that to her, she might not be willing to pay that much. But somebody whose uh, truck was just in a wreck, and you know, winter's coming coming around the corner, and they need a good plow truck, they're yep. probably gonna pay a premium for it. Well, also, so, like, the, the, the idea that a, a vehicle's value is just monetary is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. I right. don't care about my car because of its value that it could have on the market. Like, that's not why I... Right, you care about what it can do for you. <laughs> that's not why I value my car. So I have... I, ha, I don't care. I couldn't care less if the second I bought that car, the value plummeted 90% as opposed to whatever, 40% or whatever the depreciation is when you drive it off the lot or whatever. Like, no, I don't care about that because I'm not interested. It's not yeah. an asset. I'm not trying to resell this to make money later. What I'm trying to do is have a have a vehicle... A, trans- a method of transportation that's reliable. I know that I'm the only one that's ever owned this car. Right. I know that I'm the only one that's ever worked on this car. So I don't have to worry about, I, I've, you know, everything. As mechanics, that we know. Car, yeah, yeah. Everything we- that's happened to this car, <laughs> I know because it's only me. It's only been me. I don't trust any other human being on this planet to take care of a car the way I know how to take care of a car. So I yep. wouldn't buy you. And that's the value that I place in a vehicle. It's not that it's going to have more monetary value or that I'm, you know, letting the depreciation happen before I buy it. Well, what if that person treated that car like garbage? Like what if they, what if this person that ate up the depreciation for you and you're buying it for half of its, you know, monetary value. Okay. That's cool. Well, what if in three years it breaks down on you and you can't fix it like that? That's not why I care about having a nice car that I want to be. And look, I won't, I have a Hyundai. That's like the cheapest of the cheap. Like, right. and if I had it my way, the only reason I bought the Hyundai, I got a Tucson. The only reason I bought a Tucson, which is like a midsize or like a smaller SUV. The only reason I got that was because my wife had a Toyota Camry, which is a sedan, uh, a bigger car, but it's a, a sedan, not really a lot of room for t- luggage. And we have dogs. So if we travel, we, if we bring the dogs, like we need some room. The only reason I got this car is because she has a smaller car, uh, if, if she had already gotten a, a similar size vehicle, I'd be in the cheapest, like a Hyundai Accent, the smallest, cheapest, least expensive to insure car that I could get. Because it ain't about the money. It's about having a reliable transportation. Right. Yeah. And they're a lot easier to work on than some other cars. I mean, oh, definitely. Well, I, watch <laughs> out for that because Hyundai is getting super complicated. I used to work at a Hyundai dealership. <laughs> well, like nothing, nothing bad. is easy easy anymore but like i mean i guess a mitsubishi or a some of the like if you got like a like the mitsubishis or like the low level toyotas like a toyota yaris it's like stupid easy but then it's like you work on some of these i mean i can't like right now my least favorite is ford because ford decided to become like electronics are insane Uh, it's it is ridiculous i mean the the book time to R&R a transmission on a like ford escape ecoboost which is like you know only one of the most popular mid-sized suvs in america is over 16 hours just to pull the transmission and put it back in that's not even rebuilding it 16 hours book time when it used to be like some people might not know if that's a long time or not on a like 2005 ford escape the book time was probably like seven or eight hours so like it doubled and half of it's because just like you know the, the the stupid turbo system they had in the electronic systems that they have added in it's the it's the only vehicle i know of where to pull the transmission i have to take the windshield wipers off 
And I'm not even <laughs> not even kidding you on that because to to get to the you have to take the battery the whole way out, and to get the battery out, you got to take the plastic shroud out on that's above it, oh, and the okay. windshield wipers go on top of that plastic shroud. Wow. Yeah, it's just cars are. Yeah. See, like that's crazy because so it's like I feel like sometimes engineer types are a bit more attracted to statism. Uh, do, do, do you agree with me? Because I feel like sometimes like those types of people are like, like they're so the way the engineers work, they're just like, oh, if I, I'm sure if I just put enough time into it, think it out enough, I can engineer something that's going to work perfectly or near perfect. And like then us mechanics types, I think, are probably a bit more libertarian oriented where we're just like, yeah, you know, no matter how well you engineer something, like it's going to fuck up and fail. And sometimes it's like we uh, on the repair side of things get into fixing a car and then we'll be like why the heck did somebody design this this way because this makes absolutely no because like engineers don't have a lot of like you know real world experience like i mean not all of them i'm generalizing but like i don't feel like most of them don't have real world experience like fixing things like like oh what if this part ever failed how would they fix this and they don't put that much thought into it half the time and 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 they just think oh it's not going to fail or if it doesn't fail within the first 20 30,000 miles i don't give a shit so but I feel like because of like how much I know cars can fail um, and how much engineers can fail, that's another reason why I don't, you know, going back to libertarian talk, it's like I don't trust central planning because it's just like <laughs> the smartest people in the world can make the dumbest decisions. It's just a fact. Yeah, we talked. I talked about this with somebody before where it's like. Whoa, Nick, Nick. uh <laughs> I think Nick got yeeted off the internet. <laughs> Sorry. I hit F5. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, you refreshed it. I to move a thing off of my a little thing off of my keyboard, a, a paper towel that I was just using. Uh, yeah. I was saying that I, I talked about this with somebody. Herbert Hoover was an engineer. Uh, and it's like almost as if his, because he, his intervention into the economy was what basically. Yeah. Caused the great depression. Right. Or at least prolonged it. No, Nick, it was the free market. That was the <laughs> but, yeah. you know, the, it, it's whenever, because with engineering or with like a, like a science project or whatever, a lot of things are way more black and white and they're set defined pieces of this puzzle that you're just putting together. And like, if you're looking at equations, you're just plugging in numbers where variables would have been. And it's just not that simple when you're talking about human action, when you're talking about economics. Nope. And ultimately, people that understand that, uh, I think you're correct that uh, engineers are at least like people that are educated. That This is part of the reason why people who are more educated in certain fields, not just engineering, but in it, certain degrees of education. Uh, and by degrees, I mean certain levels of education, not, not degrees as in master's, bachelor's, but like certain levels of education, uh, they, they are, tend to be more statist because they have that, I can... F- I can fix this mentality. Like if you can figure something out, if you think you can, and uh, I mean, that's ultimately what a, an engineer does, what a scientist does. They kind of put pieces together, plug numbers into equations, and that's all it amounts to. Well, look, politics and economics and human activity isn't that simple. So you're not, you're going to fail. And I do, I do understand, like if I think that, understanding a little bit of Austrian economics can break somebody out of that. Once they realize like human beings are not like that, they're not your equation. They're not your, 
you know, right. Cause like project. There, there's an element to cars or mechanical things that like, at least to a certain extent, they can get it right. But humans are way more complex. Like mm-hmm. a car is complicated, but humans, every individual acting in the entire marketplace in an entire country is infinitely more complicated. Inf- it it, it yeah. may as well be <laughs> infinite possibilities. Right. Whenever you have a, whenever you have a machine, there are finite parts on. Right. And there are only a certain amount of ways that those parts can break or go bad or whatever. Like that's a very finite, limited um, scope, right? Well, with human, with humans, especially when we're talking about three hundred and thirty-five million of them, that's a way different ball game. There, there may as well be infinite possibilities, infinite as far as the mind can understand. Whereas you're talking about a car or a some sort of product, like it, that's not the same thing. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, yeah, and I just I, I feel like um, the other thing that I think getting a college education might lend towards, and there's certain fields that this you know probably varies by, but there's a lot of people. I feel like the medical community gets this a lot too, where like you're you're kind of conditioned to look to an authority figure to give you the answers. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it, and I know like you know there's some of that in mechanics where like. I might go look up the torque spec to something or I might go look at the, the shop, uh, you know, the, the, the shop manual or something to, to, if I've ever worked on something before, but then as you kind of like gain experience working on cars and fixing things, you begin to realize that like, there's a lot of better ways to do things than what the, like, you know, and the, the manufacturer tells you, or like they're saying, sometimes the manufacturer tells you to do something and it's just wrong or dumb, or they have, they given you the wrong information. You know, I've had that happen before. Sometimes missing information. Sometimes you go to like, you know, where's the manual? How do you, how do you get this thing? And it's just, it's just not there. It's not even mentioned. So, um, <laughs> but it's, it, it's like, there's this weird thing. And like this, you know, like what's going on with the, the COVID uh, vaccine mandates and all this talk over the past year and a half um you know i feel like a lot of uh there's a lot of people and then like it's frustrating a lot of libertarians or people that call themselves libertarians that just seem to put this blind faith in scientists and in doctors and it's just like listen like maybe five ten years from now the covid vaccine will be you know like over time developed more and proven to be mostly safe or okay these people shouldn't take it and these people should and there's benefit whatever like it's possible but it's just i'm not that confident in people and their abilities to say like oh well we've did a little bit of some marginal testing on this technology over the past 10 to 20 years and uh you know what a few months of 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 more heavy testing once the pandemic started and now it's good ignore what happened with the johnson and johnson vaccine ignore the reports about issues with fertility and you know whatever and you know ignore the fact that we you couldn't trust us with the reporting of the death counts and and case numbers and stuff the entire time with covid ignore the 80 percent false positive rate like ignore all this we got it right now it's like I, i just i don't get it i don't get how some people can just like how you can pretend you're an anti-authoritarian, but then just be so cucked for authoritarianism in these weird parts of, you know, whether it's science, medical people or, uh, or what have you. I I will also add on to that and say like, you know, Karl Marx was the scientific socialist. Like that's what, Hmm. because they were utopian. 
socialists. I don't know the yeah. names of them before, but they were quote unquote. I'm, I'm not saying that this is what they were. This is what they were. But I'm saying this is what they were called was utopian socialist in that they thought that, you know, man would just they, they didn't have an answer for certain things. Well, when Marx came out and had his you know communist manifesto and he had his writings with Fred, Frederick Engels, uh, he was considered to be a scientific socialist and that he used data and he he kind of connected dots that these previous utopian socialists couldn't have so like scientist is not that much of a uh accolade right like no. it's really not and, and and what science is and people have gotten it very wrong and i'm not the first person to say this and i won't be the last but people i've seen to have flipped science on its head science is trying to prove things wrong you do experiments over and over and over again to try to see if you're going to get something wrong. And once you realize, okay, this isn't going to be wrong, well, then you have a theory. And if the theory, like, I don't know what like distinguishes a theory from a law. I don't know. But I know that a hypothesis is a question you have about a concept. And if you can't prove that concept wrong, then you have a theory. Well, that that's basically the scientific method right there, right? Like, it, yeah. it's, it's not about just trusting people that have done something one time or a couple of times, uh, made a medicine or whatever, or have a degree in a college. Like, you know, and, and, and peer... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I know you want to say something there. Well, it's just, and like, and, you know, these are the same people, too, that push these, like, gender fluidity and and all these social things and they push them as science like it's not just like oh here are things we believe here are like ways we think we can treat people better or whatnot it's like they say no like i've had one of the fakertarians that's like in the medical community and whatnot and and not just him other people too there's like no like these things are a hardcore part of science and if you're like you know like sorry i'm a bit of a social conservative as a christian and like i don't have any hatred for transgender people but i question the idea of the, the idea that gender is just completely fluid and i especially question the extent to which they're trying to push this stuff on children i just don't think it's appropriate to put these complex ideas in children's heads and the minute a child expresses anything approximating like that they're questioning their gender that we should be encouraging them to question their gender instead of waiting to at least see is that was that a random thing did it happen multiple times did they will they possibly grow out of it if we don't intervene um but it's like for me to say any of that is not just transphobic they'll say oh that's that's you're transphobic and you're anti-science you're denying the science i'm like what do you mean denying like what what scientific tests can you prove i mean conduct to to prove i was like is there is there kind of like 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 maybe i'm wrong i'll ask them like okay i'm curious where's the gene that they found that establishes that somebody's a transgender person or like <laughs> have they found i uh, like no listen i know intersex people exist so i'm not really talking about intersex people but like are there people that like their brain like their bodies are literally xx chromosomes but then they go to the brain and all the brain cells are xy chromosomes like that would be scientific evidence for something approximating this but if we're talking about like and what they'll, they'll show you is like studies that are just basically a compilation of people filling filling out like um questionnaires and just like <laughs> yeah. and it's like social science and it's this weird i'm like so i was like it's just all this stuff that they 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 push that's just like you can tell it's crap and then they push this one thing 
And then they're like, oh, but definitely trust us this time. It's like, I, I just, I, I can't, I really just can't. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, the, the, there is a weird intersection. You're right. Between people who are so pro science and who are also anti they're like gender abolitionists or whatever. It is a right. weird, it's a very, very strange thing here. Um, and I mean, I, th I think that's part like, because the academia and, you know, other, other things are so, inundated with egalitarianism and, and you know leftism right. and, and ultimately what leftism is it is is egalitarianism is right. what you could basically break it down to and like the, the the thing that i always try to tell people is like look just because this kind of goes back to our conversation about individualism it's like it's okay to be different these people would have you yes. believe it's it's not okay to be different it's like dude i am perfectly comfortable with the fact that there are people that are better than me at things that i like to do like you know whether it's like playing guitar or do, you know doing shows like public speaking there are people that are way better than me at those things and that's okay you could understand that that's fine there are people that are smarter than me they're well more well versed than me in literally anything that i've ever read like that's okay it's okay to be different and so that's something that i think is part of individualism is is that that in that anti-egalitarian idea that it's literally fine that people are different like people are different people and that's okay like who cares yeah no i really don't and like regarding transgender people um individuals like i don't really care except that they're trying to push an ideology and stuff on on me and then if i call them out on it they they play all these stupid bait and switch games and whatnot but it's like listen I actually think it would be better for these for these people and for society to just be like, listen, there are some people that just through whatever happens, whatever mixture of genetics, environment, life experience, you know, all the infinite variables that make up our personality. Like, yeah, there are going to be people that feel a bit more like, I, I don't know, I, I just in my soul, I feel a bit more like attracted to being a woman than a man even though i'm in a you know man's body it's like okay i want you to be free to explore that and do whatever the heck you want with your life out of that like i'm an you know i'm an individualist this isn't even a christian thing because i don't really think there's anything in the bible that says that's sinful at the end of the day as far as i can tell so it's like do what you want if you're not hurting anybody else but if you're going to then like you know build on top of that these weird ideologies that's the problem. And I think they build them because of what you said. It's like they don't want people to feel different. They yeah. want everyone to feel the same and be treated exactly the same. Ignore all these um, differences. And it's like, well, no, um, that's just not accurate. That just doesn't make <laughs> like you like it just you have to like when you engage in that and you adopt that as a worldview. Well, yeah, you kind of do have to. um to probably the reason they react so badly to people like you and me and the, those of us who reject this is because we're collapsing their worldview because like we're not we're not you know what i mean it's like they they uh they need everyone to buy into it because when we don't we're making it more obvious you know probably internally how bad they are and when people are engaged in that internal cognitive dissonance thing and being called out on it that's when they can be the most like ideologically violent is when it's like, it's a really bad ideology and they're not willing to 
uh, and they're, they're not willing to engage in discourse to improve it or abandon it, then yeah, they're going to very irrationally lash out at people. Yeah, I do think also um, people, if their identity is so tied to that kind of thing, like I think that egalitarianism is so like it's so pervasive and pernicious that it gets into people's heads so badly that if you don't think that uh, or if you do think it's all right to be different, like people look at that as if it may as well be violence and therefore they're justified in using violence against you. Uh, so I think like, I don't know what it is. And, and, and I think it goes to Thomas Sowell wrote about the constrained versus the unconstrained vision. And I think that's a more like, I think egalitarianism and the ideas of that goes hand in hand with the idea of the unconstrained vision, where it's like, people can be molded, people can be and this goes back to I mean, we're kind yeah. of touching on a lot of stuff here, but scientific socialism, the new socialist yeah. man, like a lot of this stuff goes all hand in hand. And this is why you will see a very common thread among people that are, whether it's on the left or they consider themselves to be a progressive or whatever, it's all, it all goes back to egalitarianism, which goes to the unconstrained vision of, of human beings, where it's like everybody can be the same person that's unconstrained. That just means you have an infinite view. Like humans are, are finite, humans are limited in their ability to be certain things and you can't make somebody something that they are not so it, like all of that i think that is that's an important book for people to read is the uh, a conflict of visions by thomas Sowell because it does go into that and i think that goes hand in hand with the ideas of egalitarianism versus anti-egalitarianism or in my view egalitarianism which you should read this to egalitarianism as a vote as a revolt against nature by Rothbard. That's, yeah. like, that's so if those two books like i mean if you have if you understand the concepts that are in those books I mean, you pretty much understand why it's okay for humans to be different and why it's so nefarious to so want to have people be the same thing and and why it's even worse to want to use statism to want to make mm. people to be the same thing. Yeah, and this is why, like, you know, jo Jordan Peterson, I think, is why he was such a cultural icon was because he was the, like, he was the revolt almost personified against right. egalitarianism in the culture i think so many people latched on to him because they were just like they could tell there was something in the culture and and what we were taught in schools that was just bullshit but they couldn't i don't think a lot of them could art articulate it and then right. peterson came around and i think you know really uh you know like like shown a, she, he uh, uh, shed a light on it, I guess is the right way to put it. Yep. And it's really cool to see. Like, I hope I, I had that conversation with Bob Murphy and Michael Malice. So I'm like, I'm just like crossing my fingers. Like any day now, he'll be completely red pilled. I think he's on his <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. But and in uh, this, well, I'm sorry. You, you know. No, go ahead. I'll go, I'm going to close up after this. So uh, oh, all I was going to say was like the just in general. You're you're whenever somebody is expressing ideas of people are not equal they're viewed as evil this is why every right. not a single maybe maybe thomas massey and maybe Rand paul ron at the time he was in in office um but no politician will express an idea or if they do express an idea of anti-egalitarianism if they would come out and say people are not equal like that's that's it their career is over like so right uh, it's why American. I think it's why uh, yeah I think it's why we're like you and other people like we're viewed as racist is because we don't have this high emphasis on egalitarianism and but, but which is weird though because it's like well 
we don't reject racism like we do reject racism but we don't reject it on the base of egalitarianism we right reject it on the base of individualism individualism right and it's like it, it, and again i always emphasize i can't say this enough it's it's okay like you're not a bad person because you're not as good at something as somebody else. You're not a bad person because you're a different person than I am and vice versa. Like, it, like it's just, it's okay. Why can't we just accept that people are different? That's, that's the thing about individualism that I always like, it's all right. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Right. I think life's a bit more interesting that way, to be honest. And we're all just, you know, different, you know, when we embrace individualism, embrace those individual differences yeah. and we, and we stop trying, like, and it's like, listen, I think we're we're equal in the sense of our rights. I think we all have the same rights. Um, so I, that that's the only thing that I'll really use the equal word for, I guess. Yeah. Like we're we're equal in our status as individuals, and that's why the the Austrian uh, conceptualization of rights is so is so important. But other than that, it's like, why is it important for us to be, you know? equal in any other way because to me it's like if it, it, it's just it's not just a revolt against nature it's a revolt against like i don't know like re reality yeah <laughs> like well, if, <laughs> if which is part equal, of nature but society wouldn't work the way that it would were it yeah. not for where not for people being uh unequal like i yeah. said it, it the idea you know inequality creates the the conditions for which trade is able to be done right which is yeah. literally trade creates peace peace creates prosperity like right. this, it's it's inequality and anti-egalitarianism it's it's actually if you if you not on paper like not from a perspective of a public school teacher like anti-egalitarianism is absolutely beautiful and inequality is beautiful because it creates these harmonies that you would not be able to have were it for everybody being equal. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. Exactly. And it's just like um, when I know like uh, Jeff Deist came out to uh, the Pennsylvania uh, Mises event that I, yeah. I, I attended back in uh, May. And like he said it beautifully. He was like, you know, Mises talked about property rights, talked about the individual, because these are the things that are needed for us to have actual social cooperation, right. which is like because our ultimate goals are peace, are human yep. flourishing. But like the, the problem with the left and some it's other in other status is like they're trying to put the cart before the horse. It's like they're trying to like, you know, force peace or they're trying to force cooperation but like they're the reason i think that egalitarianism is so bad and why it needs rejected the reason democracy needs rejected is because these things inherently like when you're operating in the world under faulty uh pretenses like that's going to cause uh chaos yes. and chaos breeds violence whereas mm -hmm. true like you know I, I consider myself like an anarchist but i don't the, the one of the biggest lies that uh, states have concocted is that anarchy equals chaos because like no right. i think true anarchy true liberty breeds order mm -hmm. it's spontaneous order as as uh as many have put it which is the, the spontaneous order of the market through social cooperation and that's what we're after so you know and if you can find a way to take this entire conversation and still call us nazis then i don't <laughs> think you know what the fuck a nazi is and you know that's <laughs> I'll, I'll sum up I'll end it on that note. I'll sum <laughs> up the last word. word. Yeah, I'll sum up this. The natural state of man is freedom. Yeah. If man is free, he will claim land. He will claim shelter as his home. That is property.
If man is free, he will have property. If man has property, he has created a hierarchy with his fellow man because he has property his fellow man does not have. That is what creates the conditions for trade to happen. The only way trade is going to happen is if these two men who have different things, different property, trade can only happen if those two peaceably and voluntarily exchange with each other. So in short, freedom, anarchism, trade, it's all peace. It's all peace, and it is the default state of man. That's it's that, it's that simple. Yeah, that I couldn't say it better. That's beautiful. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I was a great conversation. I feel like if we could go two more hours, and oh, just, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, plug your stuff. You know, all the different things that you're doing, podcasts and whatnot. Before uh, before we sign off. Sure. So my show is the Individualist Podcast. I haven't done it in a while because we just moved, my wife and I, so things have been a bit uh, crazy for us. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter. Anything I do, you'll you'll get it from my Twitter. It's at Nick underscore individual on Twitter. Uh, I am a regular part of the Slurp Gang Podcast. You can find them at Slurp Gang Pod on Twitter. And also uh, the Tower Gang Podcast. I am also a regular part of that. That is at Tower Gang Pod also on Twitter. Anything that I do, you'll find it on all those apps. Right. What the, the that last podcast though, I, I no longer watch because I've I've given up on, on the Don't invitation. <laughs> I I I I I have gotten the hint. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll no, see. I know you guys are busy. I just I like I just I just keep that gag going. It's just like every week, every week I gotta do it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well thanks for coming on, Nick. It was a great conversation. Thanks uh to my audience and those who tuned in and were at, interacting in the comments. I'm sorry I didn't get to more of the comments tonight. It's just one of those conversations where we just kept going from place to place and it was like by the time I would read a comment, I was like, Oh, we already moved past it. But <laughs> I, I, I was reading it. I appreciate you know, there, there all there was a lot of this is one of my most highly commented podcasts actually. So much really cool appreciate all you guys uh you could be you could be doing a lot of different things right now and you're watching two two guys talk about libertarianism and economics and stuff on a saturday night i mean that's a that's a pretty big white pill i think you know what i mean like the fact that so many people love these conversations uh is is encouraging and i'm i'm humbled and honored to just be one small individual part of of this giant movement and this giant machine that uh, is trying to wake people up and, and teach them these important principles and values. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.